0: Welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy.
1: Hey, I'm Erin Penning's, uh, founder of Copy Snacks, and I help uh, founder-led companies that are on the verge of making a change, whether it's scaling or pivoting their business, get super clear on their messaging so that they can go forth and gain visibility and grow according to whatever their own goals are. I believe strongly in meeting people where they are to create a messaging plan and a marketing plan that's effective and actually um, (laughs) makes sense to implement and you're not totally overwhelmed with the implementation process. So hi, thanks for having me, Jessica. I know you had
0: mentioned when you were chatting a little bit offline that you've been really focused on like kind of building out systems and streamlining and potentially doing, and doing a little bit of hiring as well. Um, Can you maybe talk through a little bit how you manage your workload and kind of manage communication with uh, your team?
1: Yeah, so my team is mostly me. Like I am front and center probably, I don't wanna say quite 90%, but I'd say 85% of what goes on is me um, or managed by me. I have a VA who handles all my social, which is an enormous job. And I would be 100% lost without her and her graphic skills. I, I find myself like all will for hours over Canva, like one image that really doesn't have that long of a shelf life. And she can- Um, she can do it really quickly and she can do images that I like a lot more than what I create. Um, I have a bookkeeper and she's a good personal friend of mine. So we check in periodically anyway. um, My VA and I check in on a weekly basis We have a standing call. So we're not constantly trying to find time in one another's schedules. And it's um, a good opportunity for me to offer some feedback, say, here's what's coming up to talk through with someone like a sounding board of like, Hey, this is working. What do you think? What can we do? And we, we problem solve together and strategize. And it's also an opportunity for her to like literally sit on me because, you know, I get so distracted she's like, so I actually need this to move forward. It's like, oh, right, right, right. And it goes from being like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Like, um, we've all experienced with our clients, like this is a priority and it is, but then there's like 16 other things that, that come on top of it. Um, And I have a couple of writers who write for me periodically based on when I have projects that I need either support on or um, need the bandwidth to to keep up with. We we talk primarily in Slack, um, Zoom and ClickUp. And, you know, how we work together really depends on the project and what's needed. If we have a lot of conversations needed, I'll invite them to the the check-in that I have with Carrie. Otherwise, um, a lot of what we do is asynchronous. We're all in different places in different time zones. And so a lot of the time, what I can do is give someone a fairly detailed creative brief, give them a loom overview so that they can say, ah, I get this now that really fills in those blanks. And then they can go forth and write. And we usually do an internal round of review to be like, I think we're missing these things. This is really good. This is really awesome. Um, you know, just a couple of like brand tone and voice kinds of things. And then we do a client round of edits. And so, um, you know, usually any client edits at that point are really simple. So I just handle them and otherwise I kick it back to the writer and we'll figure out. But anyway, it, that asynchronous loom is like the best tool ever between that and click up and Slack. Cause we can always be in communication yet also not all be available 100% of the time. We can all communicate when it makes sense for us.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, I share the same view around async first work. It's just sometimes so much more superior given that you're, you know, um, but I had a couple of follow-on questions related to that. Um, I know you had recently moved over to quickup Can you maybe talk through a little bit how you have quickup set up and how it kind of enables you to be able to work Effectively,
1: effectively. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I used Trello when I first went into business and I really liked it cause I liked how simple it was, how user-friendly it was. But, um, the downside was, is that I kept losing things. I couldn't figure out where I'd stash things. Um, my boards were well-organized. It's not that they weren't well-organized. It was just like, I had a lot of them. And then there were, you know, different categories within each board. And I, I found myself getting overwhelmed. Um, I had tried Asana and I get even more overwhelmed with Asana, but a client of mine was moving to ClickUp. And when I was also facing like, am I going to pay for Trello or am I going to do something else? I saw how much more affordable um, ClickUp was for what I felt was more features. So I imported all of my Trello content into ClickUp and you know it's it's definitely not perfect, but I set it up in the same board views so each board is a different phase of the project so when we complete one phase it moves to the next and the next and the next what's not working is uh, <laughs> mentioned offline, um, the idea of doing more than basic setup and like trying to figure out the automations and the dependencies really overwhelms me and I'm like I'm going to open this up and do this and then I'm like click to close because I actually don't want to do it it's like the metaphor that I use a lot is it was like I'd rather stab myself in the hand with a fork which I clearly don't want to do so um, you know, it's just not fun to me. So I hired someone to come in. Um, we have a kickoff call next week, actually, to see what that's going to look like. Um, she's going to run through all of my processes and programs. And we're going to focus on, I think, the three core services that I have so that I can then go forth and 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 automate more. And that's going to maintain, uh, simplify project management for sure but it's also going to make it easier. So when I bring on additional people, whether it's new writers, whether it's an editor, whether it's a full-scale project manager, um, it's going to make it so much easier because it will already be in there. I just have to change the person who gets the notification.
0: Absolutely. Going back to like what you kind of said about having like writers and VAs, what is kind of your
1: approach to hiring and onboarding a new writer? Uh, It usually... And not ideally ends up being a little bit of a fire hose method because uh, usually it's like, I need someone, I have a project that's like up and coming now. How quickly can we start? What's the basic overview? I don't like to operate that way. I don't like when people expect me to operate that way. So that's something I'm actively changing. But a lot of the time, what I'll do is I'll talk to people. Um, I, I don't, I very, very rarely we'll make a post and put it out there because I, I know tons of writers who are getting started and who want to try some different things. So I can usually go to them with requests, you know, and be like, Hey, are you interested? And they'll be like either. Yes, totally. Or, you know, that's not something I really want to pursue. And then we'll all tell them about the project and then we'll, we'll go forth with that creative brief um, where we, if they're writing for me or a client that I've done like brand positioning and messaging for, it's really straightforward, right? Because I can give them all the say this, not that, here are best practices, voice and tone, et cetera. You know, so that that's my, my prefer, preferred method. Um, usually we do a test project first. Sometimes, you know, if I know someone really well um, or I've seen their samples and I know they're a really awesome writer, it's less important to have that. But if it's someone who like approaches me and it's like, hey, do you ever need a junior copywriter? I'll be like, yeah, let's do a test project. And that gives me some really valuable insights into the way that they work, as well as, um, you know, how, how they write, what, what their approach is. And sometimes it's a really great fit and sometimes it's not, and that's okay too. But I always believe in paying people for that test. That's one of my biggest biggest pet peeves, I think, is when people expect, they're like, hey, can you do a sample project for me? And by the way, we're not going to pay you. This is all on you. Uh, that just, you know, that doesn't sit well with me.
0: I share the same um, approach, which is like, A, pilot projects and test projects are amazingly helpful, way more so than, you know, trying to look through a person's portfolio and figuring out, okay how much of this was them versus just having a really good editor or something like that. Um, it can be huge. And I guess kind of following on to what you said there, which is when you do a test project with a junior writer um, that you're looking to bring on, what are the things that you immediately look for within that project that you work on together? And what are some red flags that you are also
1: looking for? You know, I, I think the number one thing is, is are they a writer? Are they a good writer? Um, and, and most people are who, who approach me, but I look at writing style. I look at sentence structure. I look at how they explain things. Um, I also look at how well they adhere to deadlines and, you know, if they look for extra time, if and, and there's nothing wrong with needing extra time, by the way, but it's like, how do they approach it? Is it like, this last minute thing, like, oh my gosh, like this just isn't coming together, which I've done. And I really hate doing that to clients, but you know, I feel like on the test project, it should be putting your best foot forward. Um, it's like an interview, you know, so you show up your best on your first day. So if there's red flags like that, uh, is there a lot of drama? Like Um, if they need more time or if things aren't coming together, are they sharing a ton of personal information or is it business-like? Is it like, Hey, this is pretty straightforward. I mean, yeah, you know, your kid goes into the hospital a hundred percent. Of course, this is not life and death. Take care of your family, take care of your health. But you know, like, are they going to be professional to work with? That's really important to me because my clients are extremely professional. I take myself seriously. I take my business seriously. Um, and I want to know that they are as well.
0: Absolutely. Can you, and I don't say no if you can necessarily share this, but like I know you've kind of we were chatting a little bit offline about some of your really good experiences with writers and some not so good experiences. Um, do are there any particular like, you know, lessons that really stood out from maybe one of the not so great experiences you've had in the past? I think.
1: There's no big things that stand out. Um, Usually the test project is the number one most important thing. I have taken other people's recommendations before that people said, oh, this person's awesome. And I think they are awesome, but they may not have experience in the type of writing that I need, um, or they may focus on something else. So I think, uh, you know, on the whole, I try not to skip that test project. I think that that's really important. Um, I also like to be very, very clear. Um, once we do the test project, I make sure that people signed a subcontracting agreement because it is essential to me. A lot of the times I'm under NDAs for client projects, you know, how it is with B2B. They're like, you, (laughs) you can use this as an example to show what you can do in a closed setting, but you can't claim it publicly kind of a thing. And so by that same token, um, we need to make sure that the writer is not going to go out and approach the client. Um, I, I hired someone a long time ago. I mean, it was like one of the first hires I made and she was a fantastic writer. Um, and she just kept coming to be like, Hey, can I talk to this client? Can I talk to this client? Can I get a testimony from them? It's like, no, I'm your client. You know what I mean? Like, and so I had to, to keep referring back to that subcontracting agreement to be like, look, you signed this, you agreed to this. So, I mean, I think that that's, and that's hard, right? Because you're building your portfolio. I just had a, an amazing conversation about this with Ali Goulet uh, yesterday, actually. And it's like, you're building your portfolio and you need to show your work, but you also, as a new writer, need to be cognizant of the fact that um, while you're getting experience, sometimes what you need to be able to get is a testimonial from the person who's actually paying you, not the person who you're doing the writing for, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a really
0: great point. Um, and shifting gears a bit, I know one of the hires I was a game changer for you was uh, bringing on your VA. Um, when did yes. you know it was the right time to hire a VA? And how did you kind of approach onboarding it and getting
1: her up to speed? So it's interesting. Um, I probably wasn't 100% ready to hire. I knew I was going to need to hire. Uh, I'm a mom. I have two young kids. Um, I think at that point, one was in kindergarten. Um, and the other one was two, she was home with me all the time. It was, oh, you know what? It was March, February, March, 2020, like right February, 2020. And this woman that I had known from, I was a brand ambassador for, for a clothing brand for a while. And she used to work for the clothing brand and she, a number of things happened and they ended up sort of closing their doors. And she's like, you know, I wanted to go out on my own anyway. Um, they closed a brick and mortar shop at that point and she worked there. So she's like, I'm going to go out my own. I'm going to be a VA. And I was like, really tell me more. Um, or they're going to hire you. Cause I knew, I, I didn't know what I needed her to do. Right. I didn't know, like I broke all the hiring rules. Basically I knew her personally. Um, but I had interacted with her as a customer. So I knew that she would protect my brand. I knew that she was professional, and I knew that she was like an incredible human as well. So she's like, I'm going up my own. I'm going to be a VA. And I was like, let's talk. I want to hire you. Um, but I was like, she's like, what do you want to hire me for? I'm like, can we figure that out? <laughs> um, and what she does now is, um, I mean, she's my right-hand woman. Without her, I would have no social presence. And I work really hard at getting visible. Um, so that is not how I have hired Additional people, typically I hire on recommendation. Uh, the person who I've just hired to automate my ClickUp, I've hired on recommendation from someone else. Uh, I you know, I have an interview with them as well, but I'm not sure that that answers your question, Jessica. I'm not sure that that's a process that I would recommend unless you already like have a good working relationship with someone. What I can tell you, though, is that having worked with Carrie for, gosh, at this point, two and a half years almost... Uh, she has allowed me to show up consistently in my business and focus my energy on the actions that actually bring in money, um, that are the client work, that are um, showing up on podcasts, that are creating my program and my sales page. And she backs me up 100% of the time, like give credit where credit's too. But um, by taking some of those other things off my plate that are, are extremely time-consuming, she has, um, empowered me to focus on what matters in my business.
0: But I mean, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And, you know, finding that right. Once you find that right in your case, like white hand women, like it can make the biggest difference, um, within your business. And it sounds like it definitely has for you going back to March of 2020. And I realized that was a crazy time for everyone, but like, what were some of the, like, mindset shifts that you had to make from being truly solo to now you know letting in a VA into your business
1: I, there was a mindset shift it was like I can't continue at this level I need someone who can help and take some of it off my plate she said up front she's like I'm not a writer I don't want to write and I'm like okay cool uh <laughs> I won't ask you to do that very often and like sometimes she'll pull together captions for me for Instagram but um you know, usually I write all my content for the most part and she she makes it beautiful and makes sure that it gets out there. But I, I think that's, I, I saw the writing on the wall. I had no time. I was out of time to really make the things. And that's when my business took off. Not only was I starting to gain momentum from the last year of showing up and getting clear what I wanted, getting clear in my packages, putting my website out into the world finally. But that was also um, when a lot of businesses realized oh my gosh, I am now an online business. I didn't know I was an online business until this month when people are trying to go to my website and they either have no idea what I do, it's outdated, it's not effective. How the heck can I show up? And oh my gosh, I have to show up and do my own marketing too? Which is something that resonates with me because it's hard to do your own marketing. It's hard to prioritize that when you're focused on doing client work or getting client work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And shifting a little bit when it comes to, I mean, now you have, you know, a small but growing team um, and having like, what is kind of your approach to like, how you kind of how you show up as a leader and how you like, you know, communicate what your business is all about and ensure that the people that are helping you, whether it's a small project or like your right hand VA is all
1: on board with that that's a really good question, Jessica. And truthfully um, leadership is somewhere that I have a lot of room to grow. My main goal is to hire people who are experts at what they do so they can advise me, which I don't mean to sound cliche at all, but um, you know, I have, I didn't mention this in this conversation. I mentioned in our pre-talk, I have a team of people who are amazingly technically proficient, that can help with website edits, that can help with graphic design, that can help, you know, that can help with other things. And, you know, they're the experts at what they do. So I give guidance. I I think my job is to set the vision for here's what I think this is gonna, this needs to happen, and to answer questions and clarification. I'm still learning how to um, copy chief my own client writing because it's hard um, to let go of that outcome. Um, But but yeah, I think my goal is to set the vision, um, say, here's what I'd like to happen, and then let's talk this out. Um, We do have SOPs for a reason, because some of the stuff is very easy to set SOPs for. Here's how you write a blog post. Here's how we approach website copy. Here's how we approach branding uh, and messaging. Here's how we approach case studies. Like There's some pretty straightforward things to do, but... On the flip side, what about my company? What about what I'm building? Um, what about the impact and the legacy that I want to create? That's where I need that support to help do that. Like my bookkeeper, bless her heart. She is amazing because she's she and my CPA were like, okay, here's what you need to do this year. I'm now an S Corp. And I would have been so incredibly lost without their guidance, without their feedback, And it's like, here's what I want to do. They're like, cool. What do you think about this? And it's like, honest, honest. I don't know what that means. Perfect. Go forth and make it happen.
0: You bring up a really, you brought up a really good point, like earlier in what you were saying before, where it's like, you know, setting the vision, but hiring the experts. And I feel like um, a lot of, especially newer entrepreneurs, tend to forget that step, and they just try to find the cheapest person who can get the job done. And oftentimes that ends up creating more work than it would be to just find someone who is within your budget, of course, but is also, you know, a little bit more established and actually knows what they're doing. Um, did you, I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah.
1: And, and I think there's a balance. Um, you want to, you don't want to go, if you're bringing in 5000 $10,000 a month, you don't want to pay someone half of that, because you you want to be able to pay yourself, you want to be able to pay expenses. But on the flip side, like you have to look at it as an investment in your business. What will that allow you to do? Um, Is this worth doing? Um, So I I think there's no right way to do it. But there's absolutely value in hiring people who know their stuff and um, can help you level up but I, you know, I'm definitely not the, the hiring expert by any means here. Um, I'm still learning. I'm still making mistakes, but what's really interesting is that a very good friend of mine who was also a client, I'm able to see some of the things that are working well for her. I'm able to pay attention to some of the things that aren't going so well. Um, and across the board, like what is effective? Um, how much more work do i need to get and and i think that's truly the cost benefit payoff is it something you enjoy doing is it something you're good at is it something that makes you money if the answer to um any of those is no it may be worth outsourcing but you know do you know how to set the role do you know how to set expectations do you know how to set guidance if not maybe you need someone to come in who can help you hire and there are people out there like incredible people um who can create this hiring package for you so that you know you are hiring right? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of nuance there. If you're going to need to get a bunch more business to pay for that, is that something sustainable? Is that something that you want? Is it, a, is it something that you can even do that you even want to do? You know, there, there's all these questions and I don't think there's any one right way to do it, um, but you definitely want to make sure that you've got the right people for the job.
0: Yeah, that is such a great point. Um, what are some of the resources or people or programs that have been the most impactful for you as, when it comes to leveling up as a leader and figuring out how to hire set these processes?
1: That's also a really good question. I mean, so I took the accelerator from Robin Curat and the Copywriter Club. That was my very first investment. I had just turned a profit in my business. Like I would paid myself back for all of my investments. And I was like, I'm ready to pay myself. It's pure profit. And then I was like, oh, this looks like something really important. <laughs> so I did the accelerator and there was a lot that it did for me to not only help grow my business but before that i had this mindset of the people that i should be talking to are prospective clients not peers because i'm like why would i talk to my peers they're competition like and i think that's the absolute wrong mindset there's there's enough work out there for everyone who wants it for everyone who has you know like it's just we all have different levels of experience So having that, yes, I learned a lot about how to package my services and my business and to talk about things, Uh, lessons that I'm actually planning to go back to as I, I work on some of my sales stuff right now. But the accelerator is really good because there's a networking component where the more people you talk to, the greater chance you have of winning whatever the prize is. And it was talking to those other people, finding out where they were in their business, what problems we could help each other solve that really propelled my business forward and helped me to get more leads. So that was like the number one thing that I did. And then I don't know that that was as much help in systems, but just being part of these online communities is so helpful because you can see what's working and what's really not. Um, and some of, some of the mistakes I think, I think you just have to make. And then you're like, Oh, now I see why people talk about this. I see why this is important now. I have also, um, joined Think Tank with the Copywriter Club as well. I'm in my second year right now. And that has been instrumental. They just brought on a systems coach as well, who um, I have messaged quite a bit offline about some of my, uh, my staffing. It's not really staffing if everyone's a contractor, but um, you know, some of my hiring challenges and she's been instrumental for that.
0: Absolutely. And you kind of mentioned something like really interesting there, which is like, you know, sometimes you have to just be, well, you have to just be willing to make some of the mistakes. What was like, you know, I don't know if you're open to talking about it, but like, what's maybe a mistake that you made early on in your business or even very recently. And, you know, that maybe you just knew that you had to kind of make that mistake and there wasn't really a way to like, you know, learn or prevent it in advance.
1: Terrible at thinking about of examples off the cuff sometimes. Um, you know, I think a lot of it's, a lot of it relates to figuring out how to hire people. I think the other thing is understanding what work to take, Right. Um, understanding how to price things, because I think that's that's really important to know that pricing things may change when you hire people. All of a sudden, depending on where you are and what your mindset is around that money, like you may lose some money on projects if you're not pricing yourself high enough to pay taxes on the income, for, to cover your writer's time and to cover your own time with managing the project and editing it. So, you know, that that's not super specific, but I think that's something really important to consider. And that was a big lesson for me, like in other terms, that's not so specific is like just getting visible and showing up visibility is hard when you're starting out, or even if you've been doing this for a couple of years and you've, you've been really lucky at the way you get clients showing up as an expert's hard. And it was really hard for me because I've been doing marketing and it turns out, copywriting for a very long time. We're coming up on like 18 years, and what you know, I always worked in firms where there was someone who was a more experty expert, where there's someone who was the head honcho that everything went through, and so I didn't really give myself permission to own that I actually am an expert, that I bring a lot to the table. Um, and even saying that out loud is sometimes hard for me, but. Being able to show up as an expert and someone who can actually help other people is something that's, I think, really important to standing out in this industry. Um, there's 135,000 copywriters in the US. That's pretty noisy. Like, so how do you stand out? It's about knowing how to market yourself um, and doing that to start is, is, is challenging, not just from a standpoint of knowing how to do it, but having the confidence,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I could chat about this for a while, but I always like to like wrap up with a handful of lightning round questions.
1: All right, fire away. I'll make it as fast as snappy as possible.
0: Uh, If you were to win $10 million tomorrow, what would you spend
1: it on? The very first thing I would do would be to pay off my house and (laughs) invest in some stuff for the house. Um, and I'd make sure that my kids were set up with scholarships and probably my in-laws kids as well, so that everyone could do the education of their choice, um, within reason. Um, and then I don't know, like maybe I'd buy, <laughs> maybe I'd buy a vacation home somewhere. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. That's my, that's the first thing I do. Yeah. That's a good answer though.
0: And if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write it about?
1: The book that I have started, I'd probably just focus on finishing, which is how to turn your marketing into something that's absolutely attainable for you. Um, I created a framework called the Reach Visibility Trajectory, and that is 100% what I'd write the book on.
0: There's a lot of you know marketers, copywriters, and founders who are all listening to this podcast What's one book that you'd recommend to someone who is maybe looking to hire their first, you know, one to three people on their team? Oh,
1: probably Rocket Fuel. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Um, Probably Rocket Fuel because it helps you understand like what your strengths are and helps you see like where you fit in kind of in the framework of your own company.
0: It's so funny you would mention that because every time I ask that question or some variation of it, that book Um, And like the traction framework in particular, or I think it's called EOS now has shown up in so many of these uh, interviews that I do
1: on the podcast. That's awesome. It's testament to the fact that they're really good books.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's been really great chatting with you, Erin. Where can listeners find you online?
1: Uh, The easiest place to go is erinpennings.com. You can find your social network of choice there. Um, you can also grab my quick checklist of 30 quick fixes you can make to your website right away so that it becomes more effective for all the things that you want to do and makes it easier to show up authentically. So thank you so much for having me, Jessica. This has been so much fun. I feel like we could talk like for hours and hours and hours and hours.
0: Likewise, it was great having you on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.